the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon on this Tuesday. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. This portion of the program is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Were you in an accident? Someone you know, if you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone. First of all, the first thing you want to do is call 911 and fill out an accident report. But maybe someone damaged a vehicle, drunk driver, someone just not paying attention, call West Fountain Auto Body. They'll repair your vehicle, showroom-like condition. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. You can depend on West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. So, folks, the news that is um, breaking right now is about this new book. Uh, this new book, and it has, it's called Peril. It's called Peril. Uh, President Trump is not going to like this book. But I just want to hear a little bit of uh, John King and Jamie Gangle preview the book Peril by Bob Woodward and Robert Coster of the Washington Post. And they claim Millie feared the president would go rogue after January 6th. Let's listen to a little bit of this. Breaking news. The peril of Trump. America's top general just two days after the January 6th Capitol insurrection, so worried about the then president's angry and erratic behavior, he called a secret meeting with top deputies, including the chain of command for the country's nuclear arsenal. General Mark Milley's message at that meeting, no one was to act on any orders for military strikes, even from the president. Unless Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, was personally involved in the sign-off as called for by Pentagon protocols. Details of that extraordinary top-secret Pentagon meeting among the many startling new revelations about the final days of the Trump presidency in peril. The brand new book by the legendary Washington Post journalist Bob Woodward and his colleague at the Post, Robert Costa. Our CNN special correspondent, Jamie Gangel, obtained an early copy of this book and she is with us now. Wow. John Woodward and Costa, as you say, report that uh, General Mark Milley took top secret action to limit President Trump's ability to make a military strike or to use nuclear weapons. Let me just stay, set the stage from the book. According to Woodward and Costa, on January 8th, Milley is deeply shaken from the assault on the Capitol on the 6th. He believes Trump to your point, is unstable, unpredictable, and Woodward and Costa write, Millie believes that Trump is in serious mental decline. He also has been talking back channel to the Chinese. He is aware from intelligence that the Chinese are on edge because of January 6th and because of Trump's behavior. So he's trying to reassure them behind the scenes. And Millie tells his senior staff, quote, You never know what a president's trigger point is. Against this backdrop, same day, January 8th, Millie gets a call from Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. We've heard about this call, but Woodward and Costa got an exclusive transcript of the call. Pelosi has the same concerns that Millie does. The phone call is dramatic. It is blunt. And Pelosi wants Millie 
to reassure her that the nuclear weapons are safe. And this is the exchange. Pelosi, who knows what he might do? He's crazy. You know he's crazy. He's been crazy for a long time. So don't say you don't know what his state of mind is. He's crazy. And what he did yesterday, meaning actually two days ago, January 6th, is further evidence of his craziness. General Milley says, Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything. Uh, Milley reassures Pelosi on the call, but when he gets off, he thinks to himself, she's right, and he decides to take this extraordinary action. So, so he has this call with the speaker in right. which she is agitated and essentially reinforces his concerns. Correct. He's seeing this intelligence and actually having a back channel. That's extraordinary. Back channel with his counterpart in China saying, calm down. Everything will be okay, and he decides to call this extraordinary meeting. Take us inside. Right. And, and by the way, according to Woodward and Costa, Milley never tells the president about these back-channel calls. So he calls an extraordinary meeting of the National Military Command Center, the Pentagon War Room. He brings the generals in and the officials, according to Woodward and Costa. Just remember... He is not technically in the chain of command. He is an advisor to the president. Uh, and he tells the generals and the officials who run the war room, no matter who calls you, you, you got to let me know. Here's what he says. Quote, if you get calls, no matter who they're from, there's a process here. There's a procedure. No matter what you're to told, you do the procedure, you do the process, and I'm part of the process. Um, look, Millie may be criticized by some for overstepping his, his authority, but according to Woodward and Costa, he felt that he couldn't trust Trump and that we were in such a dangerous time of risk that he had to take all necessary precautions. He actually had an expression for it. He called it uh, the absolute darkest moment of theoretical possibility, what Trump might do. And so General Milley knows at this point his relationship with the president over that demonstration across the White House was a little toxic. It was bold. So perhaps he's worried about the relationship. But he also has other evidence. They write in the book about this secret memo that General Milley found out without his knowledge. The president was trying to very quickly pull troops out of Afghanistan before he left office. Milley had proof that President Trump could go rogue. He had done it once before. A week after uh, Trump loses the election, on November 11th, this memo, a military directive, shows up unexpectedly at the Pentagon. It is a secretly drafted and signed by the president memo saying you're to get out of Afghanistan by January 15th before Trump's presidency is over. There's just one problem. No one on the national security team, no one at the Pentagon knew that this had been drafted uh, and signed. It had been done by two Trump loyalists at the White House. They had done an end run around the national security team. They were completely blindsided. So Milley decides he's going to go over a no notice, a surprise visit to the White House. And he confronts National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, who says, I don't know anything about this either. And Millie says to him, 
Quote, what do you mean you have no idea? You're the national security advisor to the president. And the secretary of defense didn't know about this. And the chief of staff to the secretary of defense didn't know about this. The chairman didn't know. How the hell does this happen? Uh, in the end, O'Brien convinces Trump to nullify the memo. As we all know, he didn't pull out the troops. But it shows two things. It shows that Trump was willing to do an end run on his national security and military advisors. It also shows for all the criticism now that Trump and some of his allies are making about Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan, he had just signed an order to get out very, very quickly. Get out even more quickly. Right. Now, folks, again, this is, here's a couple things. It's 114. It's John DePietro. Now, I can imagine someone saying, why would you even play? You shouldn't. Listen, you need to know what they're saying out there. You have to know because this will, it's being done deliberate. There's some other parts of this. Um, It's obviously damaging, but I, I never believe that some people who live in the ostrich head in the sand uh, strategy or theory, so to speak. You know, I also, folks, and again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. How about this story? Two-thirds of businesses around the world are struggling to hire. Two-thirds. Businesses around the world want to hire, but can't attract workers. A survey of 45,000 employers across 43 countries showed 69% of employers reported difficulty filling roles. 15-year high. 15 countries focused in Europe, North America. Highest hiring intentions since this survey began in 1962. Businesses across all surveyed countries reported stronger hiring outlooks for the end of the year compared to the final three months of 2020. Continued talent shortages mean many businesses are prioritizing retraining and training workers with the skills they need to succeed. 40% of respondents say they offer training and skills to attract and retain talent. Um, but my, my point is, folks, you're hearing about all these different businesses that because of the worker shortage, you know, I was talking to someone that a lot of restaurants are now closed on Monday and Tuesday. Doesn't mean that people aren't hungry on Monday and Tuesday. They can't get the workers to allow them to be open on a Monday and Tuesday. You know what else you notice is the inconsistency with the media regarding those who will not, who are refusing the vaccine, such as Cam Newton, former Patriot quarterback, refused to be vaccinated and the Patriots cut him. They say that wasn't the reason. I know this isn't for a lot of people, but Nicki Nicki Minaj bolted the Met Gala. Why? Because there was a vaccine requirement and she refuses to get it. You hear a lot about Trump people. But you don't hear the the largest population that are refusing the vaccine are African-American men. Now, folks, everyone is, in fact, reeling 
about that Barrington police officer who refused the vaccine. And it was very telling that the chief of police in Barrington said it was his choice. I've heard the guy was a great guy, a sergeant with the Barrington Police Department. And I also heard from someone that knew him that he was considered, I don't like the phrase, he was just very into his health. Very into his health and training and went to the gym all the time. And, you know, there are people that think as a result of that, they don't have to get the vaccine. Barrington Police Sergeant remembered strong, dedicated. But I heard, see, I don't like the term he's a health nut. Because anyone that takes care of themselves shouldn't be considered, you know, they're not a nut in any way. But he was very concerned about his health. Now, I don't know if he had underlying health conditions in any way. But but that was someone in a five-week battle of covid Folks, again, at 118, I know there are people listening and they're still weighing whether or not they want to get it. And it is your choice. But this was a guy who was in good health. Again, I had heard religiously, went to the gym every day, worked out, kept himself in shape. Granted, over 50, I think it was 58. Police officer, you look at him, he doesn't look obese. Refused the vaccine. Five-week battle against COVID. So what happened during those five weeks? It wore him down. It wore out his body. That's what happens. I mean, anyone, if you're in the hospital, he was in the, and, and here's the other thing. He was in the hospital. He was in the hospital. He was being treated by doctors and nurses and equipment. This isn't at home. Taking, you know different things he's he's there receiving the best local treatment you can get but anyone who's in the hospital for that amount of time it wears you down and you can get other things can start to go wrong and people obviously get infections and there's various things that can happen folks it's never been more important to be healthy and that's why you're so lucky you can pop by 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. Stop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right in that old white church. Vitamins, herbal remedies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices. It's my health. She also has hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use. Folks, pop it and see Marie. She's so knowledgeable. The service is great. I think one of the best things that she offers is over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices. It's my health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Folks, as always, I encourage you to visit the website also. Hollywood was filming in Rhode Island yesterday. You want to see a little bit of that? We posted it on the website which is depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. You can uh, check that out. Don't forget, depetro.com, which is also brought to you by Allstate Lock. Hey, you want to be nice and safe, experts in locking systems, building security, 
Allstate Lock and online at allstatelock.com. Now, I also want to um I want to play this because someone had sent this to me. And Tucker Carlson, he went off. He uh, I I don't I didn't think of him as he's anti-vax. Um I and I'm a little thrown by it because it was my understanding that in order to enter um, the Fox building, you you know Fox News Channel, that you have to be that you have to be uh, vaccinated. But I want to just pull this up because I, I won't say that he's. I'm not going to say he's anti-vax, but he definitely. Um, how can I say it? I found I found it a little surprising what he was uh, saying. This was, uh, I believe this was last night. How can the unvaccinated possibly pose a threat to the vaccinated? How does that work? I want to play. This is uh, Tucker Carlson from Fox News. This is uh, Tucker from last night. Vaccine does not prevent you from spreading COVID to other people. The long-term effects of the COVID vaccines are un... Hold on, folks. Sorry about that. We just had it. Let me find it again. Here we go. Uh, again, this is... Uh, the facts of the COVID vaccines are unknown and at this point cannot be known. Would you know the vaccines are many times less effective than natural immunity in protecting people? And close to 100 million Americans already have natural immunity. We know that in some cases, the COVID vaccines cause potentially fatal heart problems in the people who take them. One new study shows that teenage boys are six times more likely to suffer cardiac damage from the shot than they are to be hospitalized with COVID itself. So it's a mixed picture that some of what we know about the COVID vaccines. And yet these very same vaccines, which are far less effective than we were told they were initially, which are potentially dangerous for some and completely unnecessary for tens of millions of others, are now nevertheless mandatory for virtually everyone in America. So why is that? Why exactly is that the policy? In his speech to the country last week, Joe Biden didn't bother to explain why. Explanations are not necessary at this point. Your consent is no longer required. So instead, Joe Biden said this. I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin and your refusal has cost all of us. So that speech was on Thursday, and it really was a pivot point. If you missed the speech, go back and watch it online. That address, Biden's address, was the most divisive speech ever given by a modern American president. Virtually every sentence of the speech reinforced a single point again and again, and it was this. Your fellow Americans are dangerous to you. They could kill you. And that includes your family, it includes your friends, it includes the people you sit next to at work. All of these people are threats to you, and only the Biden administration can save you. Quote, we're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated workers. That's what the president said. 
Think about that for a moment. Does it make sense? If the vaccine works and they assure us adamantly that it does work and they punish us if we question how well it works, then how can the unvaccinated possibly pose a threat to the vaccinated? How? What exactly is the risk to the vaccinated from the unvaccinated? Joe Biden didn't tell us the answer. He didn't tell us because he doesn't know. No one knows. There is no answer. The entire argument is transparently absurd. And once you realize that, you realize that none of this endless talking about public health at this point is really about public health. If it was about public health, the authorities would simply make the vaccines available to anyone who wanted a vaccine, call it a victory, which it would be, and leave it there. But that's not what it's about. It's about power. These demands are so obviously irrational that forcing you to accept them without complaint is the whole point of the exercise. It is a form of sadomasochism. It is dominance and submission. It's about power. If they can make you take medicine you don't want or need, they've won. You are theirs. You belong to them. They want this. They want it enough that they're willing to destroy the healthcare system in order to do it. And one of the many ironies from his speech, at the very moment that Joe Biden accused the unvaccinated of wrecking our hospital system, they're going to flood the system. At that moment, actual hospitals around the country were beginning to deny critical services to patients because too many nurses had quit. Why did the nurses quit? Because the vaccine mandates. They left their jobs rather than get the COVID vaccine. Yesterday, to name one example, a hospital in New York stopped delivering babies. They can't deliver babies because too many nurses have fled from the mandate. In California, the already third world state of medicine has declined dramatically and become a full-blown crisis. California can't hire nurses from out of state because too few will come because they don't want the vaccine. One healthcare executive told Bloomberg News that only about half of his frontline nurses who treat COVID every day have received the COVID vaccination. The rest of those nurses have refused. Half. Again, these are people who treat COVID for a living. You can't dismiss them as uninformed. They know more than virtually anyone in the world about the subject. But they've refused the vaccine. Why? No one's answered that question. And until recently, no one thought we would have to answer that question. Because until recently, mandatory vaccines were unthinkable, even among Democrats. Watch these statements from just a few months ago. I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. Can we mandate vaccines across the country? No, that's not a role that the federal government, I think, even has the power to make. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. So things are changing so quickly that the population is becoming numb to what the state of affairs was just the other day. For a quick recap, a year ago, they were telling you, maybe you shouldn't take the vaccine because Trump created it. A few months ago, they were assuring you, Nancy Pelosi in April assured you, we're never going to require vaccines because we can't do that. We don't have the power. Your medical status is a matter, a sacred matter of privacy. Again, that was in April. On Thursday, they required vaccines. Here's where we are today. 
us. I would support that if you want to get on a plane and travel with other people, that you should be vaccinated. You know, flying on an airplane remains a hazard. You know, no one knows the vaccination status of any of the fellow passengers. You're locked in this tube, and it's a privilege uh, to travel. There's more mandates I wish you would have given. I think mandating uh, vaccines for air travel, train travel, or interstate uh, bus travel would also be important. There are privileges associated with being an American that if you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. Travel and having the right to travel interstate, it's not a constitutional right as far as, I'm, as, far as I know to, um, to, to, uh, to board a plane. So, and we're quoting, if you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. The person who said that, the last person in the montage we just played, is the former head of Planned Parenthood. Her name is Liana Wen. And that's quite a statement to make. So here you have a woman who moved to this country from China, sitting authoritatively in a box on CNN, lecturing Americans that their most basic birthright, the right to travel within their own country, the country they were born in, is now, in fact, a privilege that the Democratic Party may decide to grant if you follow its demands. Dr. Wen, may I have permission to drive my kids to school? It's pretty shocking if you think about it. How dare somebody say something like that out loud on television? What country is this? But more to the point, why doesn't anyone in authority seem outraged by it? Possibly because a lot of them hope that's our future. Congressman Don Beyer of Northern Virginia, a fashionably radical car dealer from Arlington, has already introduced legislation in the House that would require vaccine passports for all domestic air travel in this country. Sound crazy? It's just the first step. Phase one of a much larger program. Once authoritarian measures like Don Beyer's have made large numbers of otherwise law-abiding Americans desperate enough to use fake vaccine cards, then we'll move to the next phase, and this will likely happen soon. You'll start to hear about the dangerous epidemic of fake documents out there. An epidemic that threatens the public health of this country. Over to you, Wolf. Now, keep in mind that the term fake in this context will refer only to documents designed to evade scientifically unjustifiable and transparently partisan COVID regulations, the kinds we're seeing everywhere. The forged documents that millions of foreign nationals use every day to work illegally at, say, Don Byers car dealerships in Arlington. Those fake documents will get no mention at all. They will never, never be mentioned on CNN because those are the good kind of fake documents. Only racists complain about those fake documents. So within a short time, guaranteed, we will have another mass panic, this one about fake vaccination cards. And into this hysteria will step Fauci and Biden and Leanna Wen and the rest of the power grabbers in the political media axis. And suddenly they want the perfect solution to this terrifying new crisis of fake vaccine cards, and the answer, needs to say, will be digital COVID passports. It'll be so obvious. All your key personal health information, protected by your unique biometric signature, stored safely forever in the cloud. It's perfect. It's highly efficient. Only a Russian QAnon operative could oppose something so obviously good and essential to the public health. Just don't forget to bring your fingerprints with you the next time you want to leave your house, or buy food, or fly on an airplane, or visit your children in college, or have a job or get access to your checking account, because Leanna Wynn is going to need to verify that you are following all of the rules. All those things are privileges now. They're not rights. They can be taken away. If that sounds like a fever dream or paranoia, rest assured that it's not. Without mass resistance, that is exactly what is coming, and it's coming soon. And once it does come, the question is, where does it go from there? 
in a moment of centralized tech surveillance combined with mass social conformity, and that's exactly the country we're living in right now, there aren't many limits to where it could go. If they can force you to take a vaccine that you don't need, what can't they do? Why don't they, I don't know, make you take psychiatric drugs if you're persistently disobedient, express the wrong view, get a Thorazine shot? Why couldn't they do that? What's the limiting principle on them? In fact, you can imagine a panel of CNN doctors explaining that we'd all be a lot safer if the mentally ill propagandists on the radical right got the treatment they need and stopped spreading their dangerous conspiracy theories. So giving them psychotropic meds is an urgent matter of public health. Does that sound far-fetched? How about if these school therapists convinced your six-year-old to switch genders and accept chemical castration? At this point, why should you be able to stop that from happening? Why should you have any say at all? You're not a doctor, you're just a parent, and you have no power. If you're no longer in control of your own body, and thanks to the vaccine mandates, we've established that you are not in control of your own body, what gives you the right to control your child's body? That's a good question. As Joe Biden himself told the country on Thursday, this is not about freedom. And that's true, it's not about freedom. Keep in mind, it wasn't so long ago that authorities in this country forcibly sterilized and lobotomized American citizens against their will. Why? In the name of public health. And it wasn't just a few people, by the way, it was a lot of people. So explain slowly so we can understand why that can't happen again. Tell us why some version of that isn't unfolding right now. Suddenly things are moving very fast and they are all moving in a very specific direction. Just the other day, one of the most prominent members of the United States Senate, a former Harvard law professor called Elizabeth Warren, wrote a public letter to Amazon demanding the site ban books that she disagrees with. So here you have a self-described liberal who was a law professor at our premier law school calling for book burning. Did you think you'd live to see that? The most amazing thing is that no one seemed to notice. Not that we can sure whether people noticed or not, because at this point, you can't really know what average Americans think of anything because they're no longer allowed to tell you. Express a forbidden opinion and you're pulled off the internet, you could be fired. So there's not a lot of incentive left to speak your mind in the United States. And yet occasionally you do get glimpses of what the public thinks, especially when large groups of people have had a few beers. Here's something, for example, that's been happening at sporting events recently. Look again, this is Tucker Carlson from last night on the John DePietro show. Hilarious. Now, you may agree with that or not, but think about it for a second. It's kind of a weird thing to chant at a game. Joe Biden's not on the field, so why are the fans swearing at Joe Biden? Because they're mad. What are they mad about? Maybe they know they're being played. Maybe they know perfectly well that no matter what Joe Biden and his minions say in public, COVID, bad as it is, isn't even close to the greatest crisis this country actually faces right now. And now there is white supremacy, by the way, or the mullahs in Iran or ISIS-K or whatever bloated threat the industrial lie machine has manufactured this week for you to fear. Most people understand it's all crap. And they know it's crap because they live here. And they know the greatest crisis that America actually faces is the disintegration of America itself. And not just the social fabric. What do we all have in common again? More than that, the physical reality of the country is disintegrating. The buildings, the natural landscape, and above all, the people. A lot of them are falling apart. Look around. Yes, Americans are dying in large numbers, but it's not from a Chinese flu virus. 
The real dangers to the population are much more obvious than that, and they're omnipresent. It's loneliness. It's suicide. It's fast food. It's broken relationships. It's Xanax and fentanyl and cheap beer. Americans are dying in large numbers of self-inflicted deaths caused by sadness and neglect. That is true. Yep. The footage we're about to show you makes this point. It was shot in downtown Philadelphia not long ago, but it could have been in nearly any big city in America, Chicago or San Francisco or Seattle or New York or Washington, D.C. Pick one. And the video is not a secret. It has millions of hits on YouTube. But here's the interesting thing. No one in Washington we've heard has mentioned it. Folks, again, this is Tucker Carlson last night. Did you see that? Right there on the screen. That's the real crisis that we face. It's It's right in front of us. The walking dead. Haunting our cities and forgotten rural towns. How did they get there? They're hundreds. Again, I know it's long. Right now it's 138. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. He just makes so many good points. I want to just play this part again. And I know you can't see it, but it... It really is sad because it just shows, as he says, the people look almost like the, like the walking dead. Point. It was shot in downtown Philadelphia not long ago, but it could have been in nearly any big city in America, Chicago or San Francisco or Seattle or New York or Washington. I mean, there are people like and just, the video is not a secret. It has millions of hits on YouTube. Uh, and here's the interesting thing. No one in Washington we've heard has mentioned it. People who are just zoned out. Did you see that? They look like zombies. Right there on the screen. They're totally drugged That's out. That's the real crisis yeah. that we face. It's Sad. right in front of us. The walking dead. Yes. Haunting our cities and forgotten rural towns. True. How did they get there? Yep. There are hundreds and hundreds of them just in Philadelphia. Hmm. Shuffling, moaning, shooting up, dying, uh. all under daylight in God. a major American city. And uh. by the way, right down the street from where our founding documents were written. That's right. Imagine the selfless geniuses who framed our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, returning 250 years later Mm. to see what their country has become. (laughs) So that is the actual crisis that we face. It's the degradation of our people. Yes. But rather than fix it or care about it, which is the first step toward fixing it, they increase the degradation. Mm. Bow to our will or we'll punish you. Violate your own beliefs. Give us your dignity. Folks, again, that is um, Tucker Carlson last night on Fox. Well, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and also 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. I want to go to um, Seth Magaziner, the general treasurer is running for governor. He, I believe, is doing another campaign stop. And uh, this is interesting because it's at the same time. That Governor McKee is holding a news conference with the uh, Governor's Cup is coming up this Saturday. You are Ryan Brown. First home game for Brown in two years. So he's holding that press briefing um, as we speak kind of like simultaneous there. Um, Let's see. I want to just see if anyone, what I'm looking for is... One of the questions that they want to announce is um, one of the things that they want to announce is has to do with the fact about him driving away in the the license plate, Florida license plate from his campaign announcement. So we'll just see whether or not um, 
whether or not if anyone asked him about that. And he was supposed to be doing a one thirty briefing, but I'm just not sure that um, they're going to. You know what else, folks? So apparently the former Detroit police chief, James Craig, is announcing he's running for governor of Illinois. And the protesters that came out against him, my God, just because they are so anti-police. So a big story to watch is, in fact, with uh, California, whether or not that recall is going to be successful. So far, it does... Um, does not seem, the momentum seems like it has shifted back, that the momentum has shifted back towards the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, staying in office. Folks, right now at 142 on this Tuesday, I want to remind you about competition shooting supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You can call them at 401-727-1716. Firearms, ammunition. Also, he's very active on Facebook. It's competition shooting supplies. John Francis, this is where you want to shop. Also, you can sell firearms to him or sell them through him on consignment. Competition shooting supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Pop in and see him. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought to you by the CBD store Warwick. 1845 Post Road, Warwick, right across from TF Green Airport. CBD store. Stop it and see them. Something for everyone, even including your pets. Whether you're fighting stress, anxiety, sleep, pain, or seizure, don't fight it alone. Stop it and see them. The CBD store. 1845 Post Road in Warwick, right across from TF Green Airport, and you can also uh, find them on Facebook. It's um, it's John DePietro on this Tuesday, and so earlier, General Treasurer Seth Magaziner has announced that he's now going to challenge Governor McKee. So Governor McKee is uh, not having a press briefing, but he's he's making himself available to the press by you know like right now as we speak. He's part of a press conference involving Brown and URI and the Governor's Cup that's going to take place this Saturday. So I would think that he he wants to stay um, visible. Governor McKee wants to stay visible, but coming up on Thursday is going to be his press briefing. And it sounds like there's still some unanswered questions about that group that was um, and is scheduled to be getting a $6 million state contracts. So I don't think that's going away. And I think something to watch is going to be whether or not Providence Mayor Jorge Elagda, whether or not he actually does in fact run for governor. I have to think, folks, he's just had one controversy after another. It um, It is not, um, he doesn't seem to be gaining ground in any way. Uh, meaning Jorge Elorza, but um, so that's the big question of whether or not he is in fact still going to to run because there has been some speculation that because things have kind of gone off for Elorza that maybe, just maybe he's not going to be 
uh, running for governor. But the primary is in one year. The Democrat primary for governor is in fact going to be uh, next, it's next September. So let me just see if there's any type of uh, update. So Seth Magaziner, he, um, he announces for governor and then drives away from the announcement in a car with a Florida license plate. You know, the other thing was he, um, he, Magaziner, he did not take any questions. And so his people are saying, oh, he's going to take them at the next stop. But that's assuming then that the media is going to follow you to the next stop. And I'm not under the impression that, you know, they figured, all right, we'll cover the announcement, but we're not going to just like, not everybody is just going to keep covering him and following him all day. Um, I want to also play someone, and we talked about this earlier, but Secretary of State Blinken is uh, facing the Senate. And here is uh, Rand Paul, who's just terrific, slams Blinken for entertaining, giving aid to the to the Taliban. Let me hear uh, Senator Rand Paul. Four million, though, is the tip of the iceberg. There's still about $10 billion out there that was designated for the Afghan government. Can you pledge today without equivocation that the Biden administration will not release any of this money to the Taliban? Uh, absent the Taliban making good on the uh, commitments and expectations of the uh, international community that I've outlined uh, previously, that's correct. Maybe we could deduct a fee for the weapons they took. So, uh, Senator, uh, on the uh, on the weapons, again, I'll defer to my, my colleagues at the Pentagon who are more expert in this. Uh, you're right that about uh, $80 billion worth of weaponry has been provided over the course of the last 15 or 16 years. Uh, much of that, uh, the, the significant weaponry, uh. planes, helicopters, is actually inoperable. Uh. Will soon become inoperable because it can't be maintained. In terms of the strategic threat that that weaponry poses, uh, it doesn't to us or to Afghanistan's neighbors. You, you can't say you're not going to give them the money. If they behave, you're going to give them the money. Why don't we subtract the $80 billion from the $10 billion you're going to give them? Then they're minus 70 still. I mean, really, the fact that you're entertaining good behavior that they'll get more money, I think, is a big mistake and a naive notion that we're going to somehow change this Stone Age philosophy by giving them more of our money. We've sunk trillions of dollars over this. Our chance to have a peace dividend. Let's Quit sending good money after bad. You know, he is exactly right, folks. That is Rand Paul. And when you think of, you know, they're still going to be giving month, still going to, we, I should say, we are still going to be giving money. We are still going to be giving money to the Taliban. Um, This is Senator Barrasso, Senator Blinken, again, questioning him today. He's getting beat up a little bit. I'm thinking back to your confirmation hearing. I raised a number of questions and concerns about your record on foreign policy failures in Syria, in Libya, in Iran. I said these botched decisions have serious consequences. I said I believe they embolden terrorist organizations around the globe. I said, your decisions in the past have put lives of men and women who serve our nation at risk because of these failures. And I said, I think it would be a grave mistake to confirm a secretary of state who has a demonstrated track record of repeatedly making the wrong decisions when it comes to American foreign policy and national security. And the actions I've seen from you over the last seven months have proven my assessment. A hundred percent. He should not be. Folks, he should not be. So what does all of this say about 
the recall election out west on Governor Newsom. Well, I played it earlier, but I want to play it again. You know, what do you do when in doubt? Drag out, again, listen, President Biden campaigning for Governor Newsom. And let's go to the old standby. When in doubt, just blame President Trump. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. You either keep Gavin Newsom as your governor, or you'll get Donald Trump. It's not a joke. Republican governor blocking progress on COVID-19 was also anti-woman, anti-worker, a climate denier, who doesn't believe in choice. The choice should be absolutely clear. Gavin Newsom, you have a governor who has the courage to leave. But here's the deal. You know, that whole thing, folks, of them dragging out. Like, how is that possible? Dragging out. The, the choice is not. President Trump is in it. He's not even up for it. Be Larry Elder. Larry Elder would be the person. So, but look at how they try to frame it that way. They can't leave it alone. Has to go back and drag out President Trump. He's not on the ballot in California. Oh, my God. But, you know, see, that's what happens. They don't. They don't have a new line of attack. They don't want to def- they they don't want to they don't want to defend Governor Newsom. So what they do instead is just try to frighten people. Oh, okay. If someone else gets in, Trump is going to see, you know, hand um, control them, which is just ludicrous. It's nothing to do with it. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this, uh, um, again, kind of a nice Tuesday, September 14th. It is the John DePietro Show. If you would like to reach me, you can log on at the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Uh, and the best thing to do is just you can send a contact John email right there you can also we have uh, so many different stories up with unique content unique information videos and stories and also merchandise in the shop this portion of the program folks on this tuesday is brought to you by j perry paving they and it's letter j j perry paving provide high quality fair pricing exceptional service 20 years experience specializing in commercial residential paving seal coating patios j perry Paving. They also offer free estimates. Give them a call today for a free quote. 401-732-1730. This is perfect weather to have maybe a driveway paved or what have you. J, letter J, J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. Licensed and insured contracting company. Committed to meeting their clients' needs no matter how big or small. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway. J. Perry Paving. Affordable, smooth, and safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. You can depend on J. Perry Paving. Call them today at 401 732 
1730-401-732-1730, letter J, J. Perry Paving. And remember, no one is better to veterans than J. Perry Paving. If you are related to a veteran or if you're a veteran or your mom or dad or grandmother or grandfather, J. Perry Paving. No one offers a better package for veterans. Call them 401-732-1730. Folks, again, as I mentioned, the website, thepetro.com. Make sure you log on to Petro.com, which is brought to you by Soul Source Restoration, Fire, Smoke Damage, Water Damage, Storm Damage. Mike Seepy and crew, they will handle, whether it's Rhode Island or Massachusetts, S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration. For fire, smoke damage, water damage, mold remediation, storm damage, S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration. There's a direct link right at the website to Petro.com. So the... Um, the news today, listen, COVID is definitely, the variant is coming back. The numbers are up in Rhode Island. The number of people in our area that are dying and COVID is being attributed to that are definitely increasing. Different schools are starting to try to navigate and adjust their schedules, um, so to speak, in order to deal with it. Uh, I think we have moved into that. Governor McKee's next press briefing is going to be Thursday. Uh, Political news today is that Rhode Island General Treasurer Seth Magaziner has entered officially the 2022 race for governor. So it will right now, uh, the people running for governor are him and Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea. And Governor McKee has not officially announced, but... He already is the governor, so it's certainly expected that he will then announce at some point. He doesn't seem to be in a rush to do it, but he is, um, I think the story I read earlier, he's definitely a little, he's definitely more vulnerable than he was. I would even say at the beginning of August, Governor McKee had a rough month of August and September's not off to a better start either. A lot of self-inflicted wounds. Uh, can he turn it around? Yeah, no, of course, he, there's plenty of time. It's very early. Uh, but he's definitely providing ammunition. I know a lot of the McKee people and certainly family members listen to this program. He's, um, he's, he's, he's created and opened up the door for some criticism. That's really what's happened. Doesn't mean he can't bounce back. Doesn't mean that he can't get some of it back. But... He's definitely not in, he was in a, back at the end of July, different people that I was talking to, I was saying right now, he is just like cruising and almost on path. And he just keeps things like this economy opening up and so forth. He's going to be in a really good position. Not so sure about that. Still shaking off. And remember, the investigation is still going on with Tony Silva, his former chief of staff, which I'm, I think something is going to come of that. I think something is going to come of that. So I'm not, again, I, I'm not saying, you know, major charges, but there was nothing good about the Tony Silva land deal. That didn't help him. So as a result of that, listen, the governor, all in all, first six months in office, on certain things he's done very well with. He is uh, certainly making himself very available. When he's at these events, he seems very comfortable. 
he does. He seems to be growing into the role, but he's he's hit some turbulent waters. That that school contract that some political insiders and friend of his got for six million. Um, definitely something odd about that, but uh, that could end up just being a minor blip. Or we don't, you know, that's the thing. You, you don't know if that's going to morph into a bigger story. And then I will say this. He definitely has the attention of the media that this, whatever he's involved in, it's worth running down to see if there's some little bit of a bizarre connection here. Um, I think the media feels more comfortable doing that. Seth Magaziner, I mean, I, normally that guy should not be a threat. Because that is someone, I mean, he is the definition of privilege, entitlement. He's 38 years old. He's never really held a job. He was the general treasurer at age 30. He just think, all right, now it's my turn to be governor. And then at some point, I, you know, it's my turn. I want to become the senator. So he is a progressive. He is thick as thieves with uh, the public sector unions. He is their guy without question and will do anything they want. No one will be more progressive, I think, than that guy, Seth Magaziner. So, you know, I think that's interesting that there was a, uh, I think it was in the Boston Globe they were saying they would almost kind of compare it. It's almost like a male version of Gina Raimondo. Except the difference, though, is Governor Raimondo had had success in public sector um, as a venture capitalist. He is not. His first, like, real job was treasurer. So... I'm not convinced about that. So, folks, it's 159. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, listen, coming up at 2 o'clock, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. Remember, if you want to reach me, please log on at the website, depietro.com. You can also visit the shop. We have some great merchandise in there, whether it's a T-shirt or a mug. Uh, lots of great things, our hats and so forth, all at the website, topetro.com. So the 2 o'clock news, then the John Dion program. Again, um, something to watch is this uh, very damaging, explosive book. It's really another hit job on President Trump. And the Democrat Party at this point, to me, they want to raise his profile because they feel it helps them the more they keep him in the spotlight. And that's what I think those efforts are. Listen, I want you to enjoy this Tuesday. Stay tuned. Coming up will be WNRI Winsocket.